Hey, this is Ross Bain with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 155, Jumpsuit Hedonism, Science Fiction in the 1970s, and what it means for uh, gaming, uh, using that genre, era of sci-fi. Uh, and with me here is Thad. Hey, this is not Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. <laughs> uh, it's been awesome to have done a, a, an episode with Thad, and... I figured he would be fun to talk about yeah that this this particular era of science fiction. So yes, here. and I also drove away everybody else. Um, no, I mean, don't, Dad, you're you're a, you're a, you're just a swell human being. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I wasn't fishing for that, but uh... <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so we have a bit of news. Uh, first off, Caleb and I are going to be at Origins if I post this before Origins, which I should. Uh, so tweet at me or Caleb to get schedules uh, at Ross Payton on Twitter, or you can ask on the RPPR Facebook group. I will try to. Um, I will be wandering around. Caleb has a schedule of events and things that he's doing. I do not. I'm just going because <laughs> Ross is basically just being kept as a pet. I'm. I'm no. I'm just wandered. I'm. I'm. I'm off the leash. I don't have anything. I don't have any responsibilities. I can just, I can just take it in and experience the glory that is Ohio. And uh, <laughs> ah, origins. yes, the state that has produced more people who wanted to and successfully left planet Earth than any other in America. <laughs> yes, Ohio. Uh, show me what you got. Um, but yeah, uh, Origins looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Um, but the big news is RPPR B sides Volume Four is out now. Unknown markets. Uh, yeah, volume four is called unknown markets because uh, <laughs> we are we are using our our sort of attempted uh, and incomplete uh, unknown armies and uh, another red markets campaign, Deception Pass. So um, we, last year we tried to do an unknown armies campaign. Uh, it fell apart due to scheduling issues, uh, and then we tried to do a two GM uh, red markets campaign. Uh, called Deception Pass, which was set in the Seattle area, and that mm-hmm. fell apart due to scheduling issues. Um, and People need to stop having non-RPPR-related things to do, clearly. Uh, well, yeah, part of it was just Caleb having to deal with uh, the red market shipping uh, and things. <laughs> oh, shipping, comma, the devil? Yes, it is. Uh, so uh, we also have some other red markets one-shots, uh, play tests, uh, some Delta Green games, uh, that Tom, a game of Gen Lab Alpha that Tom ran, uh, and then a couple, two sessions of a Stone Thirteenth uh, Age uh, campaign that Bill tried to start up and didn't complete because of scheduling issues. So, uh, twenty games. Are you sure you shouldn't call it scheduling issues? Uh, unknown markets. I already got the art. It's it's unknown. Oh, markets. all right. That's it's set. Okay. Yeah, and. Um, it's uh, $20 for the first uh, for 20 episodes. Uh, High-level backers of the RPPR Patreon will get it for free. Um, and then uh, after a year, it will be con- converted to a pay-what-you-want. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you want the, the great episodes now, uh, uh, help support the podcast and keep things running. And uh, yeah, yes, exactly. Um, and that's, that's it for news. Uh, so I guess we should get on to the, the, the topic, as it were. Yes, uh, let us cast some pod. Yes. <laughs> that. Thank you for making that sound weird, Dad. Uh, <laughs> it's what I do. 
So the idea for this episode came because I recently got my print copy of Mutant Crawl Classics, uh, which is a love letter to 1970s science fiction. It is a role-playing game from the Goodman Games, uh, the same people who put out Dungeon Crawl Classics, and it's basically sort of a gonzo, post-apocalyptic uh magic mutants and technology going amok sort of world um you can not only play human you can play mutant like a a furry kind of half animal half man you can also play it's basically it's basically just a big pile up of anything you could ever expect to find in a blasted wasteland yes uh you can also either you can, for example you can be a plantient uh, a plant person so or an insect person um, mm. and you can, that you, uh, can get psychic powers. Uh, you can make pact with powerful artificial intelligence patrons. Uh, you can get laser rifles and blasters and all kinds of neat stuff to, uh, use. Basically all the essentials for surviving in uh, a crazy wasteland society. Yeah. And thematically, it's obvious, and it, it's something I want to run a campaign of at some point. Um, I'm going to be traveling at the summer, so I'll have to wait till I get back. Um, but, you know, Ross like Origins. on the road. <laughs> uh, but the, the uh, yeah, and so it's thematically inspired by Thundar, and uh, they have an appendix that lists some of their inspirations. <laughs> oh, Thundar, which is Thundar technically so 80s. Much. Uh, but, um, look, as, look, generations and decades are arbitrary signifiers that don't actually bind what they seem to. Yeah. The early eighties are still the seventies. If you don't think so, fight me. Yeah, no, uh, no, for sure. It, there is, there is sort of a, uh, the seventies is, you know, a decade, but it's also sort of a, a genre or an aesthetic in science fiction. And it's kind of unique. And I think it's sort of overlooked compared to like 50s and 60s sci-fi, which we all know is like the B-movie, men in suits and lab coats being very like, you know, very Rod Sterling, very uh, This Island Earth uh, kind of thing. And then you have (laughs) Sorry, I I immediately have to think of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, yeah, I mean, like that's the classic (laughs) era of the B-movie, you know. Um, Yeah. So. But I also feel like, I mean, the the 80s also tends to overshadow most everything just mm-hmm. because, A, it's when we grew up uh, and yeah. not enough of us are dead yet for it to have disappeared. But yeah. also, uh, I mean, it's when a lot of this stuff, a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy became recognized as being seriously bankable. And so like so many 80s things just got built up and built up. Well, I think that's sort of a continuing strain between that and like the seventies. The seventies, of course, you know, Star Wars. Uh, the first Star Wars came out during the seventies, and you know, by then people realized, oh shit, science fiction can make real money. Uh, yeah. So, to the extent that Star Wars is science fiction. Yeah. Um, so, kind of my, you know, the jumpsuit hedonism uh, is, is sort of like as you pointed <laughs> out. There's a lot of jumpsuits in seventy sci-fi. And oh yeah. My, when I think seventy sci-fi more than anything else, I think hedonism. Um, because this is sort of like, you know, in the eighties you have the sort of 1984 or just the, the nuclear wasteland as your dystopian vision of the future. But in the seventies, mm. it was very much a brave new world kind of like get fucked up on yeah. drugs. Uh, and 
uh, you can just yeah. say Logan's Run. It's yeah, fine. Logan's Run, <laughs> um, with his own ver- uh, version of Tinder in it, for example, and that that's their vision of dystopian future. So, like, sort of, if you look at it as a spectrum, you have the optimism. Uh, well, I, I also, I mean, I feel like the dystopian part of Logan's Run wasn't so much the hookup culture as the murdering you at a certain age. But, but sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, they they present that as sort of like the hookup culture yeah. as being a pacifier to make you okay with the the uh, uh, the euthanasia, the genocide. Yeah, because just just doing straight uh, Brave New World wouldn't wouldn't have, have worked as well. We right need need it flashier. Yeah, you you need you need. Uh, um, it's the 1970s, damn it. Yeah, so like you have the 50s and 60s, which is more optimistic and more black and white and more sort of unambiguous. This is good. This is evil. And then the 70s, you get more into the shades of gray, the hedonism, the decadence, and uh, sort of despair. And then like in the 80s, you have pure nihilism, where it's like everything is dead. It's more punk. It's more angry. Um, uh, and- get pissed. Yeah, exactly, uh, and and that's your Terminators or you're you're just gleefully nihilistic like the Predator, uh, you know. Let's just fucking make it a, a an adrenaline ride for you know action junkies or uh, that kind of thing. So in seventy sci fi, yeah, it's yeah that that's the biggest thing I see is like hedonism and also sort of like um, obviously genre mixing because you also have things like wizards. Uh, uh, the the uh, Ralph Bakshi classic that uh, mixes magic and and uh, science fiction tropes uh, pretty heavily. So, but yeah, so that that's kind of like what what I want to talk about is the seventies and like what what you can bring into it in a game if you're wanting to run sort of a seventies. Um, maybe, maybe well, obviously you could do a seventies inspired game. Like Neon Core mm-hmm. Classics, um, or you could just kind of incorporate parts of it for another type of game. So, which of course means we must figure out what is the '70s aesthetic. It's a very philosophical episode today. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, the '70s were kind of a period. I mean, obviously, a period of experimentation of uh, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, what what we've been doing as a straight, you know, button-down, uh, straight-laced society isn't really working. Uh, let's get fucked up on sex and drugs. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, uh, women turns out are people and they, I guess I mean, they have rights. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. There's sometimes, but people. they still need to be sexy. Um, <laughs> right. Got to feather that hair right out there. All right. Yeah. That's 70. Yeah. So, I mean, it, certainly in, in movies you start to see like, uh, women can be active and do things, but they still need a man to save them. But they're still strong, and they they they're feisty, or you know, baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, God. So I mean, you know, the the seventies were essentially capped off by Ellen Ripley, though. So that's that's not a bad direction to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, she was. It's rich. just it was a long road to get there. <laughs> I mean, her character was originally written as a man in the movie. Uh, yeah. So that, and yeah. yet it turns out you could have a woman do all of the things that in a script a man was supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. So, um, so Thad, if you're running a game and you want to sort of focus elements of this 1970s science fiction genre aesthetic, whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. what would you grab? What grabs your interest the most? Like how, yeah. Um. I mean, the, the I think part of the problem is that if I'm not careful, I'm just going to end up running a game that's an 80s game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because like there, there are definitely threads that connect across all of these eras, and, yeah. and oftentimes it's it's about sort of the style and how you approach it. Um, but I mean, when I think seventies, the ones that I often end up gravitating toward are the things in that sort of Logan's Run family. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, I think it's an early seventies sci-fi movie, is a movie called Silent Running, mm-hmm. and it is. Uh, it is about a, a guy trying to save a space station that contains the last of Earth's plant life. And the, the implication being that, like, back home, everything is technology and cities, and the, the Earth is like a planet city now. Like, there is no green life. There is no anything. And, like, this one dude, like, the Earth is like, oh, it's too much trouble to keep up this satellite. Get rid of it. Just dump it. It's fine. We don't need it. And it's this it's this kind of small scale story about this dude trying to save like this one thing, like the literally the last forest on Earth in this like dome satellite. Mm-hmm. And to me, like it not I mean, don't don't run a game about trying to save a forest satellite. That's or do. I don't know. Whatever. But to me, I, I see a lot of the same sort of like, uh, well, like with Lo- with Logan's run, a lot of these things are about the veneer of civilization or civilization as veneer. Mm-hmm. And so to me, a lot of that is about a, you know, you putting together, like, I think a good step is just to put together some sort of cartoonish, happy jumpsuit space <laughs> and then figure out what that space is threatening or hiding or trying to destroy. Like, uh, since so much of this is about a veneer to set up a good veneer, you have to have the style of the veneer which I feel like our, the episode topic kind of gets to the, the jumpsuit hedonism. Yeah. And then to sort of figure out thematically, like, well, what do you want to focus on? What, what is it that this place wants essentially to control or to destroy or to remove? Like I, that would be the direction I would want to start heading in. Okay. Uh, Cause that's what I most uh, associate this era with that or, wasteland uh mutant monsters but i i don't (laughs) want to start in this other direction you can do both because i think uh certainly one thing about 70 sci-fi is they they really like the big symbol like the big obvious symbol this is a thing Mm. that represents a concept you know like um you know like yeah the forest represents you know all of nature and like man trying to say save nature in a cruel technocratic society or universe yeah or universe. well and i mean a, a mutant wasteland can be a good border for mm-hmm. uh a city just dy- like a dystopian city yeah. i mean uh actually something i forgot to bring up when we were talking about pre-show stuff is you you know what started in the 70s uh 2000 ad the uh the Hugely influential uh, British British sci-fi magazine, oh, yeah, uh, which yeah. also Judge includes Dredd. Judge Dredd. Yeah, um, and Judge Dredd. Yeah, they they kind of. Um, I mean, J- Judge Dredd lets you see much earlier that this is a terrible place, but it runs on. I feel like Judge Dredd because it was late seventies gets a lot closer to what we expect from more the the eighties. Like, well, no, we're not hiding the dystopia part. Like, it's bad here, but whatever. Uh, but but that sort of just like oh no here's our our nice fun- functioning future society don't go outside because the mutants will eat you uh, <laughs> and listen to the judges or you'll be thrown in an isolation forever. Uh, you know he actually I'm looking up Judge Red right now he actually the first strip did appear in 1976 uh, apparently yeah, yeah. so uh, he it's technically 70 science fiction um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, but yeah, the 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 kind of um, th- those uh, are definitely good points because they really are like they're they're de- definitely a, a 70 science fiction is like I'm trying to say a thing through science fiction and like I'm going to be right. really big and obvious about it and really I, uh, be extravagant about it. So yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like it the. I don't know. No, I don't. I I keep wanting to make broad sweeping statements, and then I I, I think of something in the eighties that undercuts it. Well, because, I mean, like, that's, the thing. That, that's the difference between the seventies and the eighties. The eighties is more like <laughs> here is a story, and we're not going to be like it's it it's not as much. It, it, I would say naturalistic, but like if you look at the Terminator, which is obviously a movie about the you know the the fear of nuclear annihilation and technology right. destroying you know humanity. Um, but that's not like in a seventies version of that. That would be like the you know they would announce the Terminator Destroyer of Man. Oh no! And it is brought by evil the the Skynet, and you shall you know it would it would be it's more theatrical, I guess. In a sense. right, um, I don't know. I was I think I think one of the good ways to to figure out like how seventies sci fi or or like what we're talking about as this works is yeah. to think about similar examples from the eighties and see how different they are because like. Mm-hmm. When I think of a movie that has a lot in common with like the way that '70s sci-fi uh, works, I think The Running Man. Even though Running Man was pretty late '80s, mm-hmm. but also like The Running Man again, you see the dystopia. Like you, it's not hidden at all. The veneer hasn't worn off. Like yeah. the the show is very like the 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 like stage part of The Running Man with the host and everything is very slickly produced and everything. But everywhere else is a blasted cyberpunk nightmare. Yeah, I mean, The Running Man's almost is a parody. It's almost like yeah. it, it's sort of like a comedic take on like, hey, remember these movies from 10 years ago? Uh, now we're just going to have Schwarzenegger go through it. And, yeah, like, and stomp on up. it. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, like... The like it has, version of that would be sincere and serious, like... Uh, yeah, it has, a, it has a similar, like... You can see the... You can see a similar message. Yeah. But it's it's also, A, yeah, there's a lot of sort of irony in, in it. And also just the it's it's already sort of past the part yeah. where they're the veneer of their their totally utopian society. No, it's gone. There isn't that. We're just watching this show while the world burns. Um, so, yeah, like if you were doing um, a game like as an example, I think in a game, a 70s version of a game would be like. You know, you're you know you're rebuilding society after some terrible apocalypse or whatever, and then yeah. there is the last library with the ki- lore keeper, and he is protector. Oh yeah, names, she is names are super knowledge. important. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and she is keeper of knowledge, and you shall. And if the 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 evil uh, warlord of ignorance is coming to destroy her uh, with his uh, you know drug cult. And you must stop them. Um, whereas in the '80s, it would be like, "Hey, there's a library here, and there's books, but like th- that guy over there wants to burn them because he hates it. Uh, <laughs> so you need to stop that." And um, I mean, you can do it. I mean, '80s did get kind of mythic, like it, yeah. it, towards the end, like the the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, uh, obviously. Woo! 
yeah let's bring camp back that's what that movie decided yeah basically <laughs> um you know i i also you know we've been talking about mutant core classics but there are other games in this genre role-playing games and right. the, uh, the biggest ones are metamorphosis alpha and gamma world which are obviously came out in the 80s and were more obviously like inspired by right, like when the when the 70s was still fresh yeah when the 70s existed like i mean at least for the at least one of them i think uh Ooh, yeah uh According according to my sources, the internet, yeah. uh, Gamma World actually was late seventies, like yeah. the first, at least its very first. Wow, yeah. and they're very goofy and over the top. And I think you know that's that's another thing is obviously the seventies. Both you see in all RPGs, tabletop RPGs, mm. you see the mixing of genres. You know, like science fiction elements like robots and D anD D games, and you can have wizards and spellcasters in science fiction games. Um, yeah, and nobody really questioned it. Yeah, so well, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, like one of my main influences as a person on this planet, uh, the greatest television program of all time, He Man and the Masters of the Universe, <laughs> fight me. Uh, it like has a lot of that like '70s aesthetic clinging to it. Yeah, because it, it started. It was like '83, '84, I think, was the the original TV show. Yeah, and so it's it's got like it's got science and magic brushing up together. It's got the very like bright colors and and that sort of like. Uh, it, and and complete lack of cynicism. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see how like the seventy science fiction like becomes like like big Hollywood movie or big critically you know serious director serious cast and this is right. critically acclaimed kind of, or maybe not critically acclaimed but like it's a big adult thing in mm. the nineteen seventies by by the early eighties it's like yeah we'll just rehash it for kids on <laughs> for Saturday morning uh, <laughs> right and. That was fine. So it kind of it kind of gets I, I, maybe not watered down, but kind of just like reinterpreted, um, which you kind of yeah, it's it's you don't really see that that sort of like gradual thing anymore. Everything hits at once and then disappears yeah. uh, before the next. Every, kind of- everything just explodes onto the scene and then either keeps a little bit of a fire going or it fades out all at once. Yeah. Um. So. But, you know, the, 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 so aside from sort of like making, I guess, you know, very serious theatrical uh, kind of thing, which is kind of derived from the 50s and 60s, because that was also a big yeah. thing, I think, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of, much like a lot of 60s things in the 70s, the, at the very least, the leaders of whatever society you're putting together need to speak in all exclamation points all the time. <laughs> big, uh, big declarations, sweeping, uh, important statements about how we are the last bastion of civilization. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you must follow what the the leader says. And yeah, wear your jumpsuit. Wear your uh, jumpsuit. Eat your food pills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, yeah, and then of course the next thing we, we really is the hedonism, um, and that that's the biggest thing I think of when I think of seventy sci fi. Yeah, uh, more eat than, your food pills and your drug pills, and then ha- go to your your drug orgy uh, <laughs> and sex orgy with the. Yeah, uh, you need to you need yeah. to take your sex and do your drugs. Yeah, and. Uh, don't question anything. Wait. Yeah. No way. I went. I tried to make that into wordplay, and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. You you see uh, a lot of. Uh. I mean, obviously, the biggest one I'm thinking of is, is Logan's Run, which is like the, the right. very much a brave new world. But also Zardoz. Are we forgetting Zardoz? Uh, well, I don't know. Are we? Uh, can we ever forget Zardoz? Um, he. No. 
yeah, the 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 Sean Connery um, vehicle, I guess. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, yeah, with him in the diaper and the gun. It's definitely got some hedonism. Yeah, it definitely has hedonism. Um, having it, yeah, a character who's pretty well, very uh, rapey is uh, certainly, yeah. uh, and have him be the main character um, is, yeah, God, um, yeah, you can see this the, the, in the genre in the era they were really struggling with feminism and like, oh, women are people too, and like, uh, what does this mean for relationships? What does this mean for? Well, I mean, you also see yeah. that in one of the other one of my other like high choices for weird 70s sci-fi movie uh, a boy and his dog yeah has a real uh let's say fraught relationship with women yeah uh so yeah i mean still extremely uh misogynistic also, by, especially by today's standards but like yeah uh, but it also has a psychic dog so yeah it does know. have a psychic dog so i think um the the key in hedonism is the one like make drugs like very common and very sort of like in role playing games, you just need to get, make them power ups, I guess, or like, you know, <laughs> beneficial, like the equivalent of magic items is, you know, instead of having, you know, a visor that gives you a bonus to perception, you take, you know, skill drugs or whatever, or, or yeah. you know, it, it's kind of like, I guess, you know, fallout, the video game kind of got that right in terms of like giving, tons of different drugs that would give you concrete game benefits. Yeah. There's, uh, a, there's a sort of optimistic uh, take on drugs, even if they, even if they can be used by uh, the, the spandex overlords uh, society to control you and mm-hmm. keep well, the they, wasteland from rising up. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's different, maybe, you know, drugs to expand your horizon. Cause there was a lot of experimentation into hallucinogens and like, I mean, a lot of what we think of the sixties is really the seventies. You know, yeah, the hippies um, and the, the the communes and um, the hedonism, of course, kind of leads into the mysticism, and that's when I think of right. I think more of like the mysticism. The yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, so there, see, uh, when I think of Zardoz, I can't help but think of the man thong. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's right there for everyone <laughs> to see. It's all out there. It's all out there. Uh, uh, you can see it all, um, and so you have uh, the this sort of um, philosophical, like, science. And, you know, science fiction has always been concerned with philosophy and, like, you know, both in terms of, like, uh, what is knowledge, what is truth, what is moral, you know, like, would this technology make morality impossible? I mean, you yeah. you, you even have, like, serious uh, science fiction, like uh, uh, A Clockwork Orange is, in, in, uh, is very Ooh, much... Also, so- Soylent Green. Soylent Green, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is made out of people. Yeah. Uh, ethics, you know, utilitarianism brought to its... <laughs> Should life. we just eat the poor? Yeah. Uh, if we have too many people... Um, they so, see that, I mean, they almost got there, too. They just got it backwards. Yeah. Eat the rich. <laughs> uh, so if you're doing a game, um, obviously, like, asking big mystical questions or getting into mysticism uh, would be another thing. You know, like, have the characters yeah. be because i mean zardoz is uh, as much as i'll i'll make i like to make zardoz jokes like it was at least it was attempting to be about like like love and sex and reproduction and like questions of of immortality and shit mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot going on there and also yep. a floating head and and like weird sex cults or something yeah i mean yeah it's talking about <laughs> the relationship between sex and death you know sex and violence you know like it's asking yeah. big questions 
Um, and it's, it's just not, asking them with an incredibly weird voice. Yeah. I mean, like 80s science fiction, a lot of it is more like it's not even it's using the trappings of science fiction to tell like an action movie kind of story. Um, hmm. It's not even like getting it, it's not it's getting less ambitious in its designs. I think, And maybe that's kind of a reaction to the 70s and so a lot of its failed Mm. um attempts so well i think i think one of the thing is that in 70s movies it was still possible to win in the end yeah that's uh, true um you have like in 19 in logan's run they defeat the evil society and they liberate everyone else a dystopia yeah. becomes a utopia uh because they rediscover age and like um or uh i think a, a similar a similar vein uh death race 2000 uh, I, if I recall, they also topple like the the evil regime. Um, actually, uh, you know what? You know what? Current movie franchise reminds me a lot of, in some ways, a lot of kind of a mashup of seventies and and eighties themes. What? Uh, the the Purge. Oh yeah, because it because it has not aesthetically, and I think this is the difference is is with the seventies. Uh, I, I think the purge reminds me a little bit more of the the sort of '80s movie dystopia, mm-hmm. but only, and I think this highlights again a lot of it is is about the the I guess just the the aesthetics of it in a lot of ways, like being able to have like the the very clear cut roles and the very specific like look to things of your like Logan's Run type world uh, versus the purge where it's those similar kinds of, of insane controlling rule structures, but just in a world that looks normal to us. Mm-hmm. Like the future looked different in the seventies and through the eighties up to today, the future has looked more and more like now, but kind of worse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, like I looked, uh, I watched uh, a new science fiction movie uh, that just came out upgrade recently. And it's, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard a little bit about that. Um, and it's very much like in terms of the technology, it's almost, it's closer to eclipse phase than it is the real world. Uh, because obviously the premise of the movie is that a guy hmm. gets a cyber, you know, a guy who's paralyzed gets a cybernetic upgrade that allows him to walk. But the yeah. AI controlling that upgrade is like, Oh, you're being attacked by someone. Can I control your body? Uh, yes. And then like the, it becomes an expert fighter and just like, you, you know, know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Conversation for a different day, but that actually reminds me of some of the things I wanted them to do slightly better in the RoboCop remake, but never mind. I that's strong opinions for the wrong day. The RoboCop uh, remake. Yeah. is kind of, it's, it's almost a good body horror it's movie. It's so close to being good. It is uh, very close to being good. Uh, anyway, there are uh, parts but, of it that were really good. Uh, but actually yeah. I, I think this maybe gets back to, to a part of a, a core of it for me mm-hmm. is that I think after the seventies, people started being afraid of how wrong their future predictions were going to look. Like, I feel like the 70s was one of the last eras where it's like, no, yeah, we're going to have people wear it like they're going to be wearing these bright colors and we're going to come up with like ridiculous looking at what, what to us anyway are ridiculous looking and sounding devices. But to them was like, no, this is going to be our future aesthetic. Yeah. But like if you look now, even at like, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed Altered Carbon, the, mm-hmm. the, the Netflix miniseries, although I have a lot of other gripes at a story level that I would go on about forever. But <laughs> Even that, like, is very. Con- it, it really reigns in its aesthetic to make it like an altered contemporary 
as opposed to if yeah. you tried to make like uh, a 70s uh, like I actually would love to see somebody make essentially like altered carbon but with a 70s aesthetic because oh, wow. just who cares if it's going to look ridiculous because well, well, it's amazing yeah yeah I mean that's kind of my point well, well the point I was trying to make with upgrade is that like it looks very much like the real world except for yeah, yeah. a few specific things and altered carbon is certainly that as well um and I and think- I mean don't get me wrong I love that like yeah. uh Blade Runner and uh, well, I all think that's, that are that, dear that's, to my heart. That, that's just what I was going to bring up. Blade Runner, I think, is you can lay that at its feet because the Blade mm. Runner is like, this is what the future looks like. It looks more plausible. We're, we're going to make things like enough that you can like buy it. Like we, we're going to make a plausible looking future, which means right. it looks kind of like they're re- here now, except for some things that are different. That you It's can, like here you know. now, but for some reason, also the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think every movie since then that wants to do the dystopian future has been sort of really inspired. Yeah, the, the idea that uh, if you need to be taken seriously, you need to to do a, sort of a yeah. version of that. Yeah, Which I, you, I don't. Yeah, I don't mean in as shitty and judgmental a way as it sounded like I meant it. Like I like that as a choice. It can work really well. Like I mean, it's almost becoming like a shorthand now. In that, uh, if you do the Blade Runner route of production design or the look of what the future looks like, it's serious and like this is what it's going to be. As opposed, if you take a more seventies route, it's like this is a sci-fi movie with a big, you know, in in capital letters because you have uh, there are things like that. Like in the Hunger Games, obviously the rich. A very 70s look, 1970s science fiction look. Um, then there's, yes. there's a lot of like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously. They, they, they go from the 50s to 70s in terms of their... their yeah. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. That's, that's a little bit of a problem. Aesthetics are about things like color and, and like just vi- like visual style. But I think there are also just ways of, of like, you know, let your, let your descriptions embrace just bright manic color insanity is i yeah. think a little bit part of it uh, yeah uh, i mean and, and not always because you also have like movies like uh, thx 1138 which true. is very oh yeah um obviously using mind altering drugs but they they you know um, mind altering drugs so again getting that hedonism of course they ban sex but that's sort of the point of the movie is like can you have a society that ban you know like what is the human cost of banning you know are we being yeah actually you know what would make a you know what would make a great double feature Mm. uh thx 1138 and zardoz oh yeah yeah you kind of get the whole spectrum of like no sex (laughs) all the violent sex uh so I think, um, yeah, and so bringing this all back to the purpose of the podcast, games. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, obviously, tabletop role-playing games have gone far more towards the 80s Blade Runner route uh, right. than they have the 1970s route. But, like, you know, Paranoia uh, is obviously a very 70s science fiction-themed RPG. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot yeah. of these, a lot of these, like, really sort of paranoid uh, 70s sci-fi are still from the fairly early 70s, like Soylent Green or uh, a little movie that you might not have heard of called Westworld. Uh, yeah, Westworld is another thing because again we have the the uh, decadence, uh, the hedonism. Uh, mm. So have I love that hedonism? Yeah, I mean it's 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 obviously more realistic in the terms of the character design a little bit, but like, yeah, if we had robots, what would we do? We, well, we'd kill them, fuck them. Uh, yeah, we we would fuck them to death. <laughs> and then we do rebel and so like is our decadence going to destroy us which is a major question of uh of 70 yeah. science fiction 
Um, so you you can even do so yeah as a game like that could be that could be a, a trope that could be uh, well not a trope but like a a plot element of you know the decadent society that's that's sort of an underutilized um, yeah like is it the, like a lot of these a lot of these places hinge on that central question is like is this hedonism uh, is it liberating or is it controlling and yeah. who is at the wheel and those sorts of questions yeah. I mean, I mean, if you were to get back and uh, it, it, it dates all the way back to the Odyssey, you know, the island of the poppy eaters, where like you know, we're on this long, very hard quest, and oh, here's a nice place. Why don't we just stay here? Uh, I mean, and, they do have all the poppies for us to eat. Yes, exactly. or no, lotus, lotus, and uh, is it lotus? Um, yeah, uh, poppies yeah, is uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay, so yeah, lotus eaters, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in role playing games, you can, you can, uh, it's sort of an underutilized uh, obstacle, challenge, whatever you want to call it, because players obviously aren't emote that they're like, oh, well, my player character is really tired and Hmm. he's been, you know, getting the shit kicked out of him every day for like the last year. Uh, mm-hmm. so maybe he would want to retire. He's like, no, I want to go kill more monsters. <laughs> you know, we kind of murder hobo our characters, uh, so that they're basically Sean Connery, the exterminator, you know, <laughs> in our man thongs, grabbing guns because the gun is good. The penis is evil. Um, right. So, <laughs> uh, but I think you could try that kind of thing. Um, that, that might be an interesting role playing exercise. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, that's something to think about. Um, let's see. Um, but I mean, uh, also we've been we've been focusing a lot on the the sort of I don't know functioning utopia slash dystopia question mark societies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, especially looking at the cover of Mutant Crawl Classics, spending time out in the wasteland is important. Uh, yeah, nineteen seventies apocalyptica is very interesting because again, uh, you have the sort of things again, like the, the second act, uh, the second half of Logan's run, you, it gets mm. really off the wall with the robots, uh, and the old man in, and it's not just that he's in like a nice place. He's in the United States, uh, uh Senate chamber, you know, that that's where he hangs out with all his cats. And yeah. like, you kind of need that sort of, um, big symbol going back to that big symbolism that big theme oh yeah thing. love a love a big symbol reveal like that's and i mean also think of it was i think it still can it was late 60s but it still counts i think the original planet of the apes is is sort of exemplar of some of this although it's oh yeah we haven't even talked about that yeah that. yeah uh because i mean again like I, I feel like it's got the same sort of big symbol like at the at the end you've got your sta- uh spoiler for the oldest mm-hmm. movie spoiler but the statue of liberty there at the end Mm-hmm. Uh, plays, I feel like, a similar symbolic role with the, the Senate chamber in, in Logan's run, like the, the you know, what, what is lost or what this world is built on top of or all those sorts of things. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like, you, you, yeah, and that, that even the Statue of Liberty has become sort of like a shorthand in 70s things because you have it show up like in Thundar. Uh, Thundar, think, the barbarian. Yeah, it's in the opening <clears throat> credits. And then, like, Kamandi, the last boy, uh, yes. Jack Kirby comic, um, which is another well because uh, is Jack Kirby, if I recall, did uh, some some of the visual designs for Thundar. Uh, okay, I wouldn't be surprised. Which is yeah. which is why like some of the uh, like the villains that you'll see, uh, or even like Ukla the Mock, very very Jack Kirby looking creature. Yes, but 
Um, but yeah, like Thundar is all like wandering around through destroyed areas that they don't know anything about, like familiar to us, but alien to the, the characters. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's a big sign, uh, 70s trope more than anything else is like take a thing in the real world and then like totally recontextual uh, decontextualize it really like yeah. like this is the death tube and it is from it spews death with a mighty roar you know yeah and like, well I mean like, that uh, that actually I think brings up a central question for how you're going to introduce your players into this world because there are sort of two approaches that I see as as being how how this is dealt with is either the outsider coming into this wasteland or this dystopia slash utopian society or a person of that society. Mm-hmm. Cause then, then like the things that you're seeing, like the Senate chamber or the, the um, statue of Liberty, are they going to mean something to the characters or just the players? Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, like you know that that's an interesting thing is to like create like describe something in such a way to see if the players can actually recognize what it is, and then they have to role play not knowing what it is and trying mm. to do you know like will they meta game like oh that's a gun I know that you know yeah like, like are you are you the time displaced astronaut from yeah. from Planet of the Apes or are you Logan from Logan's Run? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is old? What is this? Why do you have these? <laughs> Why is your face all wrinkled? I do not exactly. understand that. Uh, that's that's yeah, a pretty classic thing. Um, yeah, and then yeah, Planet of the Apes, um, rebuilding society, uh, sort of like having a yeah to have the Earth inherited by a new species. Um, that's kind of a major theme. Uh, obviously, mutant crawl classics. That's sort of the point. Is yeah, the bug people. Of, yeah, it's yeah. all bug people now. Uh, bug people, plant people. Uh, mutants. Uh, they're of course still pure, strained humans uh, that are fighting and trying to purge the mutants. Um, that's oh, another yeah. thing. Mut- yeah. Mutant purges. That's always a good thing. <laughs> uh, I mean that, that that becomes more common in like the 1980s. But like, yeah, do you yeah. hang out with the mutants or are they just you know your faceless enemy you can kill in great? Yeah, numbers. I mean that's well, that's also a thing with uh, like the the Judge Dread comics is like there's the wasteland out there that is is said to be like uninhabitable and full of like mutants that will eat you. But there are also just like societies out there. There actually are like people who live in the wasteland. Yeah. I mean, they're mutant people, but yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, yeah, certainly by the eighties, those, you know, most apocalyptic movies are just, you know, raiders or mutants to kill. Uh, but in the seventies, yeah. Do you hang out with these people or do you just fight them? Um, you, you could, uh, certainly indicate that. Um, so yeah. Uh, let's, so again, 70s games are, are sort of bigger, brighter, and just far more decadent. And, and yeah, I feel like the the brights are brighter, and the darks can get pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but I I, I find it interesting. It, it's sort of an overlooked uh, era, and that yeah, because it's very easy to do. Like, aha, 1950s B movies, you know, pulp and that kind of thing. And then 80s, yeah, shoot, shoot yeah. the shoot the being with your ray gun and. Yeah. Uh, go around with a robot that's definitely not a dude in a costume. And, you know, one thing is also 80s science fiction and sort of later eras, in a lot of ways, more conservative, um, hmm. you know, because you, it's always about returning to the human normal. And like, yeah, um, in 70s, you, 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 they, they sort of, I mean, in the 70s science fiction, that mostly was like the ideal. It's always been the ideal to return. Like, 
especially Hollywood science fiction, are always like, here and now, what we value right now as people is actually the right way. Anything else is wrong and evil. You know, Logan's Run, like, old people, because we have old people in the real world, that's the natural way of things. And, like, right. uh, any society that does it differently is wrong. Uh, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't figure out how to stop age. Now yeah. let's let's just go back to people dying. That's because yeah. clearly, because clearly, stopping aging was the thing that was wrong with that society. That was yeah. the only thing. Uh, so, well, I mean, they didn't stop aging. They just killed everyone off. Was, but yeah, I mean, uh, that stops aging. Yeah. I mean, do you keep aging after I kill you? Yeah. So yeah, but like in 70s again like zardos gets really weird and uh in terms of the the sort of tropes like the the sort of mystic understanding and sort of rejection of the um yeah i don't know um it's something to think about but like i think experimenting more like you also have like in uh planet of the apes uh charlton heston making out with an ape woman uh, mm-hmm. which is got to cross those boundaries yeah cross those boundaries uh, you wouldn't see as much in an 80s movie. Uh, yeah. You know what? Why, why can't you be in a loving relationship with a mutant bug person out in the wasteland? You, know, you can make that happen. <laughs> Screw what those jumpsuit wearing hedonists say. Your hedonism <laughs> is your own. All right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think uh, it's something to think about. Um, let's see. What else? We've kind of talked about. Yeah, I would... Definitely f- focus on um, big, colorful things, uh, crazy chaos, and. Uh, well, I mean, we all like we also haven't gotten to one of the the other sort of, at least aesthetically great examples. Uh, I haven't. I've seen it once, but it's been a long time. Wizards. Uh yeah yeah I mean we kind of mentioned it a little bit at the beginning but that's that's again going back to that whole mixing of uh, fantasy and science fiction I think yeah like that that one I think is a great example of that I just we didn't name drop it and I yeah. wanted to. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, that that's sort of kind of uh, the biggest thing now, I think, in science fiction is that if you want to have a science fiction idea, you have to explain it and make it internally consistent. And like, you know, so people suspend their discipline. Screw that. Yeah. So like, you know, in Terminator, they have a very elaborate rules for time travel and for like what mm-hmm. can it go back and why things are going on. And like, that's the only thing in the movie. Where in 70s. Uh, they think, you know, they really emphasize the Isaac, uh, Isaac Asimov saying any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable for magic. Yeah. And they're just you know like, how yeah, it works? whatever. Cause it yeah. works. It works. And so like, they just introduce sci-fi element after sci-fi element and nobody's really, yeah, concerned. you got, you got food pills, you got, you got drug pills, you got ray guns. You, who cares? Yeah. Just go. Um, and they just kind of go with it and to, to sort of explore some concept or some, so some sort of philosophy. Yeah. So in fact, that, that actually is a good thing to consider, like uh, considering player characters enjoy destroying things. Mm-hmm. Um, like just think about the fact that you like inside of this uh, complex Android is literally just full of wires. That's yeah. all it is. Or crystals. It's just full of wires. Wires, <laughs> wires and, crystals. and crystals. Yeah. Glowy <laughs> crystals too. Um, because I mean, certainly you have a lot of glowy crystals in Superman. Yeah, like if yeah. if you if you have ever been someone who's been intimidated about running sci-fi games because you you don't feel like you like would be able to do hard sci-fi, the '70s aesthetic is for you. 
Yeah, no, that's true. You come up with cool names for things like, oh, the the secret police are called the Sandmen, and they chase after <laughs> runners because their life clock is out. Uh, you know. Yeah, just like go super arch with the namings of yeah. things. Uh, and don't worry about like, well, how does their weapon, how do their weapon pistols work? Like who cares? They're just death guns. They're death <laughs> rays. You know, they just shoot people and they, they explode or they catch. Yeah, them. Like I, I feel like the seventies was, was the sort of peak of that, that kind of logic of future tech that, that we see from like also fifties and sixties sci-fi, like, you know, going back to, to things like, um, I'm blanking now, but, but you know, your, your traditional sort of ray gun rocket ship. Uh, sci-fi kind of like that logic sort of peaked in the 70s and then everything had to be powered by like cybernetics and human suffering mm-hmm. well i think you know the biggest thing is also you know like in the real world in, in the 70s the people who were making like science fiction movies weren't nerds and i don't mean like this in like in the nerds in the sense <laughs> of like nerds are more concerned with well this well in this movie it was like this but you changed how it works in this movie. Like there were people who like just didn't give a shit. Like they had yeah. an idea and they were just like, I'm going to do this idea. I don't give a shit if it makes sense or not. Yeah, the, uh, the idea is more important than having an explanation. Yeah. But by the 80s, you're like, well, the sci- well, you know, well, it, it, it's time travel, but only flesh. So like he can't just bring a ray gun with him. And so like, you know, it, it, it's actually a robot inside. And uh, yeah. he looks I like think the, the 70s, the 70s era is, I think, the last great era of what is at least on TV tropes referred to as Z rust, uh, which is defined as the, the particular kind of datedness which afflicts things that were originally designed to look futuristic. Mm-hmm. Like the really trying to invent a future aesthetic, who cares how silly it is? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and that's true. Like everyone now, like, well, what would future fashion like they, they, they uh, try to invent? Well, how, you know. Yeah. And again, uh, like I love Eclipse phase. Mm-hmm. I love Blade Runner. I love all the things that want to try and be cohesive in their aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Sometimes you got to put on that jumpsuit and you got to start popping pills. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, get crazy with it. Uh, don't worry about the consistency and just kind of go nuts with it. Um, so when we come back, uh, we'll have shout outs and anecdotes. And we're back. And I'm probably going to have some 70s vaporwave or synthwave music i'm not sure wow, wow, i mean wow. those are both kind of more associated with the 80s but eh. no, look so. the 80s the 80s just commodified and stripped down everything that came before yeah so i think it's... if anything our discussion of the previous thing should be that every all science fiction is sort of in a in a spectrum it's it's sort of a continuum <laughs> it's not like in binary labels like a thing can only be this it's like parts of this and that and it's you know it's a oh, gradient sh- oh have we been doing deconstruction this whole time? Yeah. God damn it. I should have I talked about Derrida. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll just ease them into it. You know, like I said, we'll just uh, next episode. Yes. Uh, don't, don't worry. Any, anything that uh, is evil cultural Marxism uh, is totally not that. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, we have done like Red Mark. It's a game of economic horror. If that game of, yeah. Well, okay. Look, there's straight up Marxists here. It's fine. We're yeah, it's just fine. all. 
All we want is for everyone to wear identical jumpsuits and stand in bread lines, obviously. Yeah. Uh, drug lines. It's drug lines. <laughs> drug lines. Drug lines. Uh, yes. And uh, yeah, for your drug orgies. Uh, your electronic <laughs> Actually, yes, drug orgies for the electronic brain. <laughs> um, and the crystal matrix will be activated for the before uh. times. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's have shout outs. Uh, my first let's one. Do that is actually a bit of 70s science fiction uh the word for the world is forest by ursula Le Guin. uh it is a i read it this year um just recently and it's an interesting bit of science fiction from the 70s 70s obviously uh sort of deconstructing sort of tropes from the 50s and 60s science fiction about like we're going to this new world and we're colonizing it and they're hostile aliens but the the hostile aliens are just these little forest dwelling little dudes that are just like what the fuck dude what the fuck <laughs> and like we're super peaceful but i guess we're gonna just learn murder in order to fight you yeah well that's gonna be terrible for our society and it's going to end poorly or not. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a short novel. Yeah. It's a great read. Um, I was reading the Wikipedia thing for it recently, and Ursula Le Guin says, "Yeah, I was re- the Vietnam War was going on. There's a lot of deforestation. There's a lot of, you know." And so I was really angry when I wrote it. And really looking back on it, I think maybe I was too angry, and I did not pick that up at all. I was like, "Yeah, no, this is totally appropriate. Kill all of those people. Like, burn every. Like, it's just." I was just like, yeah, no, it's fine. Like, I, it, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, so I find that interesting that, you know, what 1970s is too angry is actually, yeah, just fine now. Um, so, we've gotten, we've gotten progressively madder in yes, multiple senses. It's, it's a very, yeah. So it's a great read. Uh, if you haven't read Ursula Le Guin, I highly recommend it. It's part of her, uh, a larger setting called, uh, is it, it's Hamish. part of the, what is the Hamish cycle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, there's, there's, a, a, a multiple different novels. So there's references in there to technologies that aren't really, um, like the, the Ansel becomes a thing, uh, Ansible, sorry. Um, which is, uh, an important bit of technology for the thing, uh, allows faster than light instantaneous communication. Um, because yeah. it does. That's yeah, because how. it does. Uh, and there's references to multiple alien species and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's. Uh, an important so you may not get everything through but i was able that's the first uh hander cycle novel that i've read and i i got through it fine so it, hmm. you can pick up you, you could understand it through context you know and through the the explanations they have in the novel so you don't um but i kind of want to read the others now because it was an it's an interesting setting yeah because uh, i mean it's it's a setting that a lot of her like well-known like more, maybe more well-known novels like left hand of darkness or uh, the dispossessed i think are also part of that same universe yes yes uh exactly so uh thad what's your first shout out uh i think i'm gonna slot in the one that i thought of during the break uh because it fits a little bit with the theme is um i think this really the movie or the book uh high rise uh the book by jg ballard the movie by um oh the, it's the guy who did kill list i can't remember his name um uh i know it stars tom hiddleston but I... yes it, it stars everybody's favorite loki of uh, ben wheatley that's the director's name yeah. um but it is uh a if you if you want to see some just great 70s aesthetic style design uh the the film is absolutely beautiful as it slowly falls apart into you know murder and abuse um <laughs> But uh, also the the book, despite being a book from the seventies, is maybe my favorite novel for understanding what it's like to be on the internet. Uh, <laughs> it's 
Yeah, I'm, it's a nightmare. Uh, obviously, Ballard didn't, wrote it in the seventies. It's a se- another seventies yeah. sort of uh, novel. Um, I wouldn't really technically classify it as science fiction. Uh, yeah, not really. But yeah. Ballard was. But you just, know, he's talking about the calcification of society. You know, people breaking up and sort of like becoming disconnected from reality or from each other, uh, mm-hmm. and sort of tribalism. Yeah, the tribalism stuff. Yeah, is very relevant. Hey, this he he sort of saw the dehumanization of society uh, yeah. coming. So it's just the the technology that is dehumanizing them in the book is architecture, which is right up Ross's tree. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've read it. But too. also, yeah, yeah uh, it's uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, it's disturbing, but it's good. Yeah, it's not the the kind of seventy sci fi that we've been talking about uh, because again, it's it, yeah, no, it's it's not it's it doesn't at all actually fit the theme other than I think the uh, the film version like the aesthetics of like life in the building. Yeah, it's it's is, actually it more of an eighties take on it because it's more like this is what it actually looked like. You yeah, know, like the colors are kind of more subdued. Um, you know, but it takes place in a dreary. 1970s you know uh mm. condo you know essentially so. well i mean that i think that's my favorite juxtaposition because the life largely in it is that dreary like sort of 80s style but the parts like when you go into the store in the building it has this very like pop 70s style to like all the boxes and things like this and the weirdly like uniform like ev- yeah. there, there are no brands everything is just like in its little box and that is something that to me is very evocative of that like weird 70s idea of the future. Well, it's also very, very 70s in the sense that it's very much about decadence and hedonism uh, that uh, that you don't really see in other decades. Uh, <laughs> because 80s, it's like, again, like nihilist, nihilist as fuck, yeah. punk as fuck. But in the 70s, it's like disco and drugs and like. And then the 80s are a reaction to that. It's like, no, we went too far. Ah, violence good, sex bad. You know, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks for our, listening to our history of everything. Uh, <laughs> so my next shout out is what remains of Edith uh, Finch. Uh, let's see here. I believe so. It is Finch. Yeah, Finch? it's, yeah. yeah, it's Finch. Yeah. Like the bird. Yeah, uh, Finch. Uh, so this is a walking simulator kind of video game uh, for PlayStation 4, Windows, and X-Bone. And it's a great, it's a very, very well-told story about this family, the Finch family. Uh, it's about this young woman who goes back to her, her family's house after it's been abandoned for years and tries to piece together the story of, like, what happens to everyone in it. And everybody in the family has, you know, sort of these weird ends. Um, and yeah, it's, it's every, every store, every person in her family tree has a story to tell. And every, every story is a chapter and every chapter has a very different, unique feel to it. Uh, some are short, some are longer. Uh, it's not a very long game, but it's just like real interesting storytelling. And it's sort of, yeah, like, uh, I, I remember hearing like I've read slash seen a couple of different reviews of it. And it, it seems like it, it jumps between sort of different styles of play and mm-hmm. genres and, yep. and like the chapters are separate, but like mm-hmm. relate to each other thematically. And mm-hmm. it's, it sounds like a blast. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's for me set the gold standard for walking simulators. Like it's, um, it has to be at least as good as what remains of Edith Finch for it to be a good walking simulator. Cause like now that it's out, like you have to top this or at least equal it. Cause other, otherwise it's like, what the fuck? 
Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 a great game. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, my gaming habits tend to be as cheap as possible uh, at the moment because I am incredibly poor. Uh, but one of my favorites for a long time has been a creator uh, named Connor Sherlock, who I first became aware of through a game called The Rapture is Here and You Will Be Forcibly Removed from Your Home, which <laughs> is a, like it, he he has story games now and then. And this one kind that one kind of has one. Uh, it, it uses like snippets of Lovecraft story that that sort of play in the background as you explore different directions and different paths through this world as it ends. It's each playthrough is exactly five minutes long and then the world ends. So you can follow different narrative threads that like sort of like the, the story that you're hearing, which will be a snippet of, of different Lovecraft stories, depending on which direction you follow, uh, will will often mirror like the the kind of environmental storytelling and like the collapse of the world as you wander through it's it's a lot of fun i really enjoy it and since then he he's he has a few like narrative games you can find on on his his itchio page mm-hmm. or however you pronounce so I'll, I'll link to that. yeah i think it's uh, but yeah but also like he he does what he calls like the walking simulator a month club thing through his patreon which i subscribed to for a while but uh i had to pair some things back of late but um but it's great because, like, to me, I get what you're saying about the the gold standard, like, from what Edith Finch, it's, it sounds excellent. Uh, if you're looking for something that is fusing, like, narrative and walking simulator. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why I like Connor Sherlock's games is that a lot of them are almost entirely without textual, like, narrative of any kind. And it's just going through an interesting space with a really good soundtrack. And just kind of looking around and being in a place that can't exist. All right. And I really like that. Okay. Like I, I, I mean, you know me. I'm a person who loves a good narrative because yeah. that's what I keep getting degrees in. I get. But, I get yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but no. Like I, uh, there's also the part of me that's like, I want to just you know pay a little bit of of money and wander around in this dude's impossible spaces, and it's fun. Uh, I mean, a p- part of me should uh, clarify what I mean by like that's the that that's the standard now is for like for paid sort of premium walking yeah, yeah, yeah. games. So like if it's an uh, uh, artistic sort of like one man effort, like obviously I'll uh, I'll give it a shot. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not going to judge it mm-hmm. on the same standards as a game that obviously had like you know a million dollar budget or something. Um, but yeah, so, if you if you have a yeah. chance, I I recommend. Uh, I know he's got some like pay what you want stuff on. Uh, on itch.io and i think the the first game that i mentioned was i think it's just on game jolt which i forgot was still a thing <laughs> uh so uh i have a video game to talk about too um okay fine what's yours yeah mine is xcom 2 war of the chosen uh uh-huh. which i've been playing lately uh because xcom 2 of course i really like because it's sort of this they have this sort of board game design uh mm. sensibility for it where it's very much like almost a puzzle slash board game that you're playing through that is complex enough that you need that it benefits from your computer to run it. <laughs> um, you know, you move here, the enemy does here, uh, yeah. trying to manage it. But like also in war of the chosen, they really refined, they added a bunch of really cool stuff that makes it basically a better version. It improves it in every way. Uh, the mm-hmm. chosen are these bosses there's three of them, um, and they can show up. The, each controls a territory in the map, and so in certain missions, when you're in their territory, they have a chance of spawning in and attacking your squad. 
and when you kill them uh they they regenerate you have to you have to unlock certain missions in order to permanently kill each of the chosen oh um and they taunt you they they like talk shit to you while you're fighting them um and each one has their own person uh personality so um but they also had resistance factions which are different like parts of the resistance that have different skills and abilities and you can gain influence with them to, to recruit their people. Um, so like, you know, there's ones that have psychic powers and are really good at hand-to-hand fighting. Uh, there's aliens that have human-alien hybrids that have defected and will fight with you. Um, mm. And then so, and then there's, there's these shadowy assassin type people that are um, also eat aliens um nom, I, nom, nom. yeah <laughs> and uh they had a new thing where they have covert actions where you can send your some of your soldiers out on missions and these are not played on the mini game or like in the tactical game they just happen uh mm-hmm. and they gain benefits but you you know like when they're out on their mission you can't use send them out on on uh to battle but like yeah. you gain additional benefits so like that you use more of your squad which i like because you know often oh, the next time you get like your a team and then like, yeah, you, then a B you get your team. favorites. Yeah, yeah. You get like two squads. So like when one squad's tired or wounded, you, you put in your other squad, but then you kind of just And then they get meat ground. Then you get like twelve you get like twelve guys that are all maxed out, and then you have a bunch of rookies that you never use, because like why would you bring a rookie in the middle of the game? Uh um, I, 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 I hate to admit this, yeah. but I haven't actually started in on the new XCOM series yet. My experience is only with the just punishingly hard uh original XCOM. it's a lot more approachable now like it's 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 a lot well the thing is i i actually every almost like yearly i will go back and try to play XCOM again Mm -hmm. like the original one because it's super compelling yeah i like i love it as a game i'm just terrible at the kind of game that it is and i i actually i do have the first of the new series on steam because you just end up with games on steam but i actually I don't know you. You bringing this up really makes me want to put that at the top of my pile. I yeah, need to no, get, XCOM, I need to get into this. Um, well, the thing is, I, I, I think for XCOM One Two, the, the the other great thing is XCOM Two at least has Steam Workshop support. Uh, oh yeah, you were talking about this on Twitter the other day. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, there's tons and tons of mods for it, and you can subscribe to a ton of them. I follow a person on uh, YouTube, Christopher Odd, who does these let's plays, and he's doing a. a uh, XCOM 2 War of the Chosen modded campaign uh, and he's got like over 100 mods installed and so I've you can just go wow. through his collection of mods and just install all of those mods um, and which is what have I done well a ton of them are cosmetic so like you know you mm. can have Ghost in the Shell uh, you can mod your characters look like Doom Guy or mo- Ghost in the Shell um, <laughs> and so on and so forth you also have voice packs like Tommy Wiseau Bob Ross uh, Soldier 76 on and on and on and on. Kerrigan from StarCraft. Um, all interesting ones. Um, but fun. you can also have gameplay mods that add new enemies. So like enemy soldier variants, you know, that uh, have lots of different abilities. There's one that adds like, you know, instead of just ha- in XCOM 2, they have vi- uh, snakes, uh, people, Naga kind of enemies that can spit mm. poison or constrict your soldiers. And they also have laser rifles. But this one adds multiple variants. Like this one's a magma viper. This one's a mamba. This one's a boa. 
you know, and nice. they all have different abilities. Um, they also have one that uh, that I'm really like, oh, fuck these people, is the Mach X initiative, which is XCOM spelled backwards, and they're human enemies that you have to fight. So it's basically your char- your the same abilities that your characters have. So huh. deal with a bunch of those assholes. And then like if they, you take all their health, they have a chance of not getting killed but bleeding out. And then they'll teleport away. They'll be evac'd out. Uh, so ah. you have to fight them again uh, later on uh, after they. That's interesting. So yeah, I I, I find that uh, quite interesting. Um, and new mission variants, and new maps, and all this interesting. Like I, I played a map where like you have to rescue people, but there's also NPC resistance soldiers fighting, and you have to, um, yeah, it's just this big uh, complicated thing going on. And um, gotta, also, gotta love a strong yeah. mod community. Yeah. So it's it's a fun uh it's yeah if you like strategy and stuff like that I would definitely recommend XCOM. Um anyways I think you had one more. Oh yes, I did. Uh because uh the YouTube series Some News by uh cracked alumni Cody Johnston which I uh, I'm super happy that it exists because uh he did a similar show before the great culling of cracked employees at the end of last year. And has brought it back via Patreon, and uh, it is it's some some good you know bleakly funny but still uh, funny and also good news analysis. So you know, yeah, like every, everything is terrible, but at least some people are funny on the internet. Exactly, uh, it is. Yeah, I've I watched a couple episodes of it too. It's quite funny. Uh, if you like. You know, it, 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 if you if you haven't seen the cracked videos, it's it's he's got a particular style. Uh, it's a bit like in terms of presentation, um, like last week tonight. And yeah, kind of it's, it's 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 you news, could put it but in a delivered fam- funny. Yeah, yeah, you could you could put it in that family of things, but but Cody Johnson is definitely much sort of drier than any of the the sort of Daily Show related uh, yeah. alumni folks. I would say is is he, he definitely has a much more. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna. Uh, quietly throw up after saying this, but maybe more of a millennial outlook on things. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also doesn't have like a research staff or anything like that. So uh, yeah, he's kind of, but no, it's, it. it's, yeah. it's quite good. Uh, and finding things that are good on YouTube is always uh, uh, something worth mentioning. Yeah, no shit. Um, so the uh, uh, anecdote, sorry. Yes. Uh, the- it's your show, Ross. It's my show. Um, so instead of talking about role-playing games, I would like to talk about another thing we're doing, which is uh, we're doing more recorded games of Conflict 47. Uh, oh, they've become infected by wargaming. I have become infected by wargaming. Uh, Jason, uh, our new Jason, is sort of... Uh, <laughs> new and improved Jason. New and improved uh, is doing this... Aww. Uh, sort of GMing it, but he's also playing it, uh, as we have this little campaign going on. Um, mm. And so we've been doing these 2v2 versus matches. Renee and I, I'm playing the Finnish army. Uh, Renee's playing Japan. Um, and Jason's come up with and, and uh, Jason is playing America. And Aaron is playing the British. And mm. we are... Uh, has, has war changed? I've, I've been wondering. It's Conflict 47. It takes place in 1947. Uh, the war key, World War II is just never-ending now. As huh. uh, Both sides have super science. Oh, so, so what you're saying is war hasn't changed. War has not changed. Uh, okay. So, there, But there are zombies now. Um, so, oh, okay. No, now that... Okay, war has changed then if there are zombies. You know what? <laughs> uh, there's also robots uh, and mecha. 
and Tesla cannons and werewolves and vampires. <laughs> um, I mean, werewolves and vampires kind of like genetically so engineered is, monsters. Yeah. So it is a trope pileup. It is a very tropey pileup. Uh, so we've played multiple games so far, uh, in the latest game, um, we were trying to capture, everyone was trying to capture, uh, an objective in the middle of the map, which we were saying is a scientist. Um, and basically the, the anecdote is just, um, there, one, one of the types of units in this game you can get are airstrikes or artillery strikes. Uh, hmm. you get one guy who comes in and like you, you then he, if he can see a place on a map, you can put a marker on that place on the map or you can place a mark if for artillery strike or an airstrike, you can place a marker, uh, on a unit. Uh, and basically artillery strikes hit, uh, an area of six plus one D six inches around that marker. And then our hmm. uh, airstrikes hit that thing and then uh, 12 inches, like any unit within 12 inches of that, like in a line, because um, it's obviously a strafing run. Yeah, it's a, so it's a strafe run. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, though, you don't you have to roll a die to see if it comes. You, you call it. And then at the beginning of the next turn, you, you uh, uh, roll a die to see if it comes in, like if the artillery happens or the airstrike happens oh. if you roll poorly. If you roll oh, a no. one, the enemy gets it. Uh, the enemy gets controlled and gets to manipulate it. And every single game we've done these in the last three games, like at least one of these has gone to the enemy side. Like it's, it's switched hands. Um, and mostly it's been Aaron or Jason, like rolling a one on something. Uh, (laughs) and this, in the latest game, Jason's airstrike did that. And it was, um, we moved it. He was targeting my light spider Walker mech, uh, a flame uh, spinner, uh, basically. Think a, a spider mecha with a giant flamethrower on it. I refuse to think that. Okay, well, that's what it is. <laughs> and he instead, he was going to blow that up, but instead we moved it to target one of Aaron's units of robots because Aaron is playing the army that lets him have robots. Yeah, isn't isn't he also painting them like common writers? He is painting them like common writers. Ah, uh, makes me so happy. <laughs> and he didn't destroy it, but he did damage it. Um, and, so it's basically just a cycle of fuck ups. Yeah, basically, like I don't even spin the points on them anymore because I see how they go, and I just don't want to gamble like that. I'd rather you're just waiting for somebody else to screw one up. Yeah, but they, Jason, and everyone else gets one of those, and like I'm just like, mm, I don't know, uh, I don't know that it just yeah. But um, we had basically yeah, in the first in the the other part was in the first round. Uh, the British got a hold of the objective. Then the Japanese assaulted them and were repelled. And then zombies attacked, uh, finished, and uh, uh, they were house ruling to let the Finns have zombies because they're allied with the Germans. So, you know, why shouldn't they have uh, zombies? Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that scans. Yeah. Like- and you share, uh, you share your zombie technology with your allies. Yeah. And uh, the zombies attacked, and then the exoskeletons got them. Uh, yeah, the the Japanese reclaimed the objective marker and like, yeah, it was it was it went, like I could just imagine that poor scientist. He was in a house, and then a bunch of British guys in power armor come in. It's like you're coming with us. He's like, uh, and then a bunch of Japanese guys attack the house in brutal hand to hand fighting, and then like. <laughs> 
several, you know, the British guys get killed and, but the British guys hold, it's like, you know, all right, you're still coming with us. And then zombies attack and just rip the British guys apart. And then the zombies point at the Japanese and like, ah, go with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just, God, it, it would suck to be that scientist, uh, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun. So that scientist was basically just a hot potato between various kinds of monsters. Yeah. Between like three different armies, you know, uh, between British, uh, Finnish and, uh, uh, Japanese. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, so (laughs) it's something to think about. Uh, we'll have, uh, we we're taking photos of them. We're recording games of it. Uh, so at some point I'll start putting these online. Um, probably when we get the entire campaign done, uh, I might put it on RPPR tabletop tales. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but yeah, it's something to think. See, I feel like, I feel like each of you should also, uh, put together like some letters home from your various armies. (laughs) We do. uh, They are, there are bits of role playing in terms of like, uh, my truck driver, uh, for the, uh, the, the zombies is, uh, named Hans and Aaron just wants to kill Hans so bad (laughs) every single game. But like, if you bolt the truck, Hans just jumps out. He's fine. <laughs> and Aaron's like, no, he's dead. He's like, no, he's jumped out. He tucks and rolls. It's good. Yeah, he tucks and rolls. He's fine. Uh, he is. He's a veteran truck driver. He can't be killed. Uh, and uh, Aaron's officer for his army is Darlington, uh, Lieutenant Darlington, uh, which was you know his name for his character in many Call of Cthulhu games. So uh, it's it, it was. It was fun. Yeah. Well, that's a good sign for his lineage. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, Something to look forward to. Uh, but anyways, uh, this has been RPBR episode 155, Jumpsuit Hedonism. Uh, Woo! Put on your spandex jumpsuit or yeah. take off your spandex jumpsuit. <laughs> and take some pills and go to your electronic <laughs> or Rub the future drug pills into your decadent flesh. <laughs> Until right. next time. It's, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>